0: god i hate to quote this guy in a positive way i mean mother of god this makes me sick but ross do that noted and please forgive me for even mentioning his name but
1: this is the lawyer's guns and money podcast Hello, Lawyers, Guns, and Money listeners. This is another Lawyers, Guns, and Money podcast. My name is Rob Farley. Uh, Joining me tonight are uh, Dr. Eric Loomis uh, and Dr. Scott Lemieux. Uh, Our subject for the evening is a sad one. Uh, Our podcast tonight is going to be dedicated to an evaluation and consideration of the life and work of Mr. Toby Keith, uh, who is an artist who, of course, is uh, endeared to all LGMers. Uh, We have followed his career uh, religiously since the beginning of the blog. Um, um, and uh, wait, wait, no, I'm being told that that's not correct. No, that's not correct. Appa- no, apparently we're going to talk about football, right? Okay, football. <laughs> so it's going to be about the Super Bowl instead oh, oh, of Mr. Keith. Although
2: oh, now that you mentioned it, it is worth noting, like, there are so many stories about people hating Toby Keith. like, <laughs> like other I, And not even just from liberals, right? Like, he just seems to be just a gen- like, just seems like a genuine asshole.
0: Oh, yeah, no, he was, I mean, like, there's the story of him and Robert Earl Keane who, you know, I don't really know Robert Earl Keen's politics at all, uh, but, you know, he basically ripped off the Rogozan forever. And so his friend, like Keen's friends were like, you should sue him. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. So he just wrote a song, making fun of
1: Toby Keith. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So, uh, what are you guys drinking tonight?
0: I'm having a, a Stone Fear Movie Lions Hazy Double IPA. Um, I don't think I have to introduce Stone to anybody, but, uh, you know, of course, out oh, of yeah. beautiful San oh, yeah. of California.
1: Now, in our, in our in our in the last podcast, uh, Scott Scott made the argument that that in fact uh, that any podcast in which we uh, in which we talk about our drinking problems constitutes a very special LGM podcast, uh, much like a, a very special episode of uh, Family Ties, for example. Um, when Tom
2: the Tom Hanks, you know, covering oh, like yeah. his made huge landmark landmark TV right there. has yeah, has, has has Alex stolen uh, Mallory's uh, amphetamine
1: jet. <laughs> yeah. that's the best one that, yeah, is no, best. that really is like that like, is A, like, yeah, a plus
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah there was also then there's the there was later also, that, there was also the mis- like when he turns into a desegregationist like was the- <laughs> yeah.
0: there, there was also the Mr. Belvedere episode uh where uh uh, the oldest kid, I can't remember his name, got drunk once, so Mr. Belvedere like locked him in a room and forced him to keep drinking um, until he was so disgusted by alcohol he wouldn't drink anymore. I thought that was a pretty sweet. special Oh episode. well,
1: there was there was the uh, the very special episode of My Two Dads where um, the 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 daughter went to the party and came back drunk, and so then the My Two Dads decided to uh, get drunk to show her how lame it was, and uh, then decided to run out and get a car and go driving. But Dick Butkus met them on the way and dragged their asses back up the stairs.
0: Now that, now that, that is the finest. That's the finest sports uh, uh, reference uh, in a very special episode of TV that I, I have heard of since the legendary episode of Different Strokes. When Mister Drummond was teaching the kids how to play stickball while wearing dress shoes, and Lance Parrish shows up.
1: <laughs> ah, yes,
0: yes,
2: that's tremendous. Oh, there
1: was oh, there was also Webster, in which every single episode was a very special episode that involved football in some way. So, it was
2: Eric Carr? Yeah, Alex Carr. Car- oh, yeah, Car- Car- yeah, there was a weird era of TV where every show had to have an NFL linebacker on it. It was weird.
0: <laughs> no, it, was, it was it was an era where you just like. You just like if you play for the Rams, you got on TV
2: shows.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, you didn't have to, you know, I mean, you are just you were just it could be the fucking line
2: that you were on TV shows. I mean, you know. Yeah, like, Special right. guest star, Deacon Jones.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyway, I have uh I have ten Peter fingers. Brock. <laughs> <laughs> I have ten fingers of uh this is old Forester eighty six, um, which is a, nice, a, uh, a modest entry, but uh you know it will get a, it'll get us through. Uh,
0: I, I, I also like to point out, actually, this reminds me, Rob, I don't know if you noticed this because uh, li- listeners may be shocked that Rob had a, a couple of drinks at my birthday party, but um, like 75% of the gifts that people gave me were, were booze. And I thought, I guess that says something about me. And then I was like, oh, yeah, of course it does. So,
1: yeah, Not yeah. me. I didn't oh. get you. I didn't get you booze. I got you. Somehow. No, you
0: did. You were like the only one. You got me a little bit. <laughs> <of> my- <Yeah.
2: laughs> Yeah, the uh, they uh, my bourgeois point is that the uh, old forester is now the default at the Delta Sky Club.
1: Oh, oh. Yeah,
2: not that's bad all. Nice, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For the free, that's yeah, that's not uh, not bad at all. That's one reason I'm not going to rent a car. Going, I'm going to I'm going to pay to fly. I'm taking advantage of the goddamn free booze.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> mm. oh no, I got I got I got. So on the way back from Loomis's birthday party, I got bumped up to first class on oh, nice. the Providence to DC flight which is like 45 minutes, right? And so I didn't even get a fucking drink, right? I was about was, to say. I mean, just say, keep going. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, and, they, yeah. and also, well, they, every 10 minutes they, they wouldn't let me move my bag up, right? So I am in seat 1A. My bag is in 17C. So when the plane actually disboards, I am like there in 1A waiting for like three quarters of the, of the flight to go on. Thanks a lot, guys. That, that's American I, Airlines for you, exactly what I, you want.
0: I mean, I you know i have a United card, so sometimes I get upgraded on flights uh, on United First Class, and like the best it's ever been was like a Providence to Chicago flight, which you know it's like two hours. That's like it's not too bad, uh, but yeah, that's not true. Yeah, it's okay, but 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 it did make me think like why? Who would pay for that? Like it's such a – like these short flights. I mean, I get it if you're flying like cross country or, or Europe, if you can afford it, sure. But like these little short flights in the U.S. to to hubs. Who's actually paying the money to be like? I really need my my water like ten minutes earlier than everybody else, and I'm paying
2: three hundred dollars for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No Canadian first class. I can see why. Yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah, that was that. That's nice. <laughs> but yeah, like an American airline. Yeah, who cares? But uh, oh, partly is that they have made coach just. I mean, the, I think part of the idea is to make coach as miserable as. Yeah, probably. no.
1: That's that's that's, that's part crazy. of the point. All right. Right. All right. Well, so let's actually dig into what we're supposed to be doing today. So I think we're going to follow the rough, the rough, the rough outline of we're going to talk a little bit about um, the head coaching changes uh, and head coaching shifts that have uh, that have happened over the past, um, uh, you know, two weeks, three weeks, something along those lines, um, and then we're going to go into a quick evaluation of the championship games, and then we're going to talk about the. The big game itself between the uh, the Chiefs and the Niners, who are really sort of the class franchises uh, at this point in the NFL. I think we can we can largely agree. So um, I guess I'll start off with uh, what has surprised. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe I'll put this out right. Bill Belichick is without a job. Right. That the the chairs have all been filled and Bill Belichick is not in one of them. There was an interesting analysis in The Athletic of like um, and there was a lot of anonymous quotes like, you know, why didn't Bill Belichick find a job here? And there were a lot of sort of explanations. Apparently only the Falcons were significantly interested. There was no other um, franchise that was particularly interested in bringing him in. And a lot of that was because he was just evaluated as somebody who's going to be really difficult um, by a lot of ownership and management groups. So maybe we start there and move from that.
2: Although I should note, one Belichick did get a job, which I initially thought was the Commanders, but no, it's uh, he'll be the uh, Steve Belichick, the new defensive coordinator of the Washington Huskies. But and I gotta say, with a haircut like that, he's got to be a good coach. Wait, did, did, I'm sorry, I missed his he, he got the Huskies job? Yeah, Steve Belichick will be the really decent. wow. Okay, yeah. huh? In yeah. okay. my understanding, he's actually pretty well respected. Like that's you know, it's it's an it's an interesting hire. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, so that's, yeah, so I think, yeah, because I think the, the coach is keeping, like, his offensive guys from the Arizona staff, but I think he wanted a new defensive group, so that's not a bad, I mean, Patriots defense last year was fine, that's not a, you know, so, I mean, that's actually not a terrible, It's not a terrible idea, actually, but yeah. But, uh I mean, to me, the thing about Belichick reminds me of when Barry Bonds didn't get signed in, in 2005 or his last year is Bill James had this really interesting essay where he says, you know, when you think about it, Like, it seems crazy, except that, you know, he can't play defense anymore. So basically that's 14 jobs. And then if you're not going to win this year, you're not going to sign him. And if you're the Red Sox, you already have David Ortiz. So when you think about it, it's not actually all that like you know, like the, the number of jobs that you would actually consider him for is actually pretty light. And I feel that way a bit about Belichick, That like, you know, the Seahawks, they, they fired Carroll in part to make Schneider, like the personnel major Domo. So you're not going to, you know, plus they're not really close enough to winning. Um, And so same thing, like the the Panthers, like it'd be like, he'd be crazy to take that job and they'd be crazy to want him. Like he's 71. And it just, my understanding is that, you know, even he's willing to see a little, like he basically wants to be in charge of everything. And that's a problem because like, I think he can still coach, but like his personnel record over the last few years has not been good. So if he's not willing to defer to a general manager, like I don't know how, um, you know, like there may be like, like the interesting one would have been Dallas but again, I just don't know if he and Jones could work together. Like he'd be an improvement over McCarthy, but they didn't buy, you know? So when you think about it, there just aren't that many jobs. And, you know, I think if you're the chargers, I'd rather have Harbaugh. He's younger. Um, you know, his history with quarterbacks. I guess we'll talk about that. I, I think that's a, that's a, that's actually a really tough job in its own way. But so I, in in a way it makes sense, um, you know, and, and I think Raheem Morris is was, you know, he's, did a great job with the defense and in, in LA, he's supposed to be, you know, he, he got his first job too early, but he seems like he's really well-respected throughout the league. So, you know, I, uh, um, so in, in a way I, it's, it's, not that surprising assuming that what, and I, and I read the same athletic stories, Rob, and my understanding mm-hmm. is that he was just, you know, he fundamentally wanted to be certainly the number one person in the organization. And I think that's, that's, it's, 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 you know, I, I think that's going to really limit his options if he doesn't back off that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too surprised actually. I mean, I think it is um, maybe a little bit of growth among certain NFL figures um, that hiring the old guy, nothing against uh, hiring old guys per se, but that, you know, an older guy with a record of success. The problem is, is, is the problem you've seen Belichick, which is they don't change over time. and, you know, I I really do not see Belichick changing over time. Um, I mean, that seems very very unlikely. And um, you know, if you really are building a team, I don't know that it makes much sense. Again, you know, like Scott and I've seen this from other other people too. The actual logical place for him to end up would have been the Cowboys. I mean, I mean, I think that would have made a ton of sense um, from everybody's perspective. Um, you know, I don't know how he would work with Jerry Jones. And that would be probably very difficult, but, um, you know... He did make a work with
2: Parcells.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean if, right. if, if, you know... I mean, the Cowboys are never going to win, again, so long as Jerry Jones is alive because of Jerry Jones. So, I mean, th- th- this is a major issue, but... um you know, we could talk about the Cowboys generally if we want to, but I, I don't. I'm not surprised at all, and I'm not sure with any of those jobs if he actually would have made any sense. I mean, I don't think he would have been any good with the Falcons. I mean, developing a quarterback out of nothing—what what is going to, going to, going going to, you know—he he could turn Desmond Ritter into the second coming like, of Mac Jones. Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I, I don't. I'm a, I'm actually not too surprised by this, and I, I'm not sure it's such a bad thing. For any of those teams to have passed on him, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach, no question. But is he? Is this the guy you want to bring in for your team in twenty twenty four? I think outside of some very specific situations, um, you know, maybe if the Eagles had, had actually fired Sirianni, that would have been a very interesting move. Um, that's an interesting
2: one. Yeah, that yeah but really, I think
0: you. I think you need to bring Belichick into a scenario in which there's a functional quarterback um, right. already. I think that's yeah. critical, and then he can work with the defense. Um, and, uh, and and do it that way, but um, um, but but any of these jobs that were available, with the possible exception of the Chargers, um, I don't think would have made any sense at all.
1: Yeah, I, 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 my my feeling was generally the same, right? That that Belichick could possibly make sense in the Chargers, but we had talked we talked, uh, you know, on this podcast about you know the Chargers job is not as attractive as it seems, right? That that the you know Justin Herbert notwithstanding, and a few of the other uh, top skill players notwithstanding. You know it's a franchise that has a lot of troubles. still, I think it was the one that made the most sense for Belichick, right? Yeah. because it was the it was the closest to being sort of really competitive, and it's the one where you would identify that if he did have some special mojo, especially on the defensive side where they absolutely need it, then um you know, they they really could have moved forward with him but but, you know, I'm not sure I would prefer him to who they got, right Um yeah. You know, I, you know, yeah, they, they had a, yeah, a fine I don't job like Harbaugh, but his record
2: is impeccable. I mean, right. Canada.
1: So, I mean, it'll be interesting whether Belichick sort of hangs around in the next couple of years, um, uh, you know, and finds one of these jobs, right. Like, you know, possibly like the Cowboys or something like that moving forward, but.
0: Right. I mean, he, he's also going to have a pretty easy, I mean, he probably will be on a studio show next year. The word is on the street that CBS is finally going to blow up their horrific uh, studio show um and get some new blood in there and belichick will probably be very good at that so it's hard to
2: say he's I mean, great belichick yeah. is fucking fantastic on tv like if yeah. he takes seriously there's it's really fun when you hear him on the those nfl network shows like he's uh he'd be really good at it if he wants to do it
0: he, he may really want that that all-time coaching um uh win record over Hallis. um but uh is it over you know, Hallis in his or 70s Shula? he may also
2: yeah. just
0: he may also really like this and enjoy it and realize Right. He can have a whole lot of fun and make a decent amount of, of money
2: uh, just talking about football. And frankly, like, Shula got that record because he didn't know when to quit either. <laughs> right. Right. Like yeah, no, it's right. It's not like That's he right. added a lot to his legacy by having a whole bunch of, like, nine and seven and eight and eight seasons with Dan Marino. Like, you know, I mean, mm. no, he may just take a year off. He's a good commentator. You know, he can, you know, it's like uh, you know, hang hang out with the women in Nantucket. Uh, I don't know. It's uh-huh. maybe it bad life. Like for you know, he's accomplished everything he can accomplish. I, you know, and I, I'm sure he'd like to have the record, but does he really want to slog through like three mediocre seasons somewhere? So to me, if like the Cowboys start off 0 and 4 next year and Jones just sucks it up and says, "I need you know he might take that, but I think it's good for both sides to be selective. He doesn't need to go somewhere and, and have two nothing years. That's not going to you know help him. So, mm-hmm. like to me, it's it's like there are a lot of teams that shouldn't hire him, and he shouldn't go anywhere where you know that that's that's not promising. There's just I, no it doesn't do anything for him really. I,
0: I thought the more surprising um, non hire was nobody hiring Vrabel.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I was, I was sure. Cause I thought, I mean, I think Vapor is limited in a sense. He's a very Belichick like coach, But it it actually decent at it, unlike every other Belichick disciple. I mean, the Belichick coaching tree must be the worst of of any Hall of Fame coach of all time. I mean, it's it's horrific. But Vrabel was was at least decent in Tennessee, although the same problem of not really being able to develop quarterbacks. But, Mm -hmm.
2: um, I mean, Tannehill played like he played damn well for Ryan. You know, he was, you know, they they had like a a good offense with Ryan Tannehill. So I I think, you know, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, how much of that was, I mean, you know, obviously the, the, um, Malik Willis and and Levis though I mean uh, you know there, there's not much going on there maybe Levis will turn into something but but yeah, in any but case all I, are great, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean in any case I, I yeah. would have thought somebody would have given him a chance given his age and relative success and in in what it was never really a great situation in Tennessee I mean it's not right. you know it's not like it's not like that team was ever that close and they seemed to pretty consistently overperform for Vrabel. so I I I you know, I, that's somebody I am pretty surprised to not get hired. But, uh, um, you yeah. know, I mean, you would have thought Seattle would have. I mean, although I'm very, very happy with Mike McDonald, um, you know, he seems like he would have been a perfect fit in Seattle.
2: Well, but that's the problem. And, again, it really seems like because, again, I think – it really seems like the fact that they went out of their way to say like John Schneider will have final cut of the roster. Yeah. Like they really, I think that the perception was, I think the drafting improved the last two years. Cause John was, was, was asserting himself more. And I think that's part of the problem. As long as Pete was there, he was going to want a big personnel role. And so I think again, you bring in Vrabel, you know, he, he got left Tennessee in part, cause I think he wanted a lot more say in personnel. And so it doesn't really make sense for the Seahawks if they've just given Schneider this authority, then bring in somebody who's going to like compete with them. And so it really just seemed like part of what's going on here is the teams really want like the front office to be in charge of personnel, like more like every other North American sport um, and, and coaches that like want a lot of say in personnel. I, I think it's going to be harder for them to get hired. Now I don't think v- Vrabels is extreme as Belichick in that way, but I do think that's probably the reason that Seattle wanted McDonald, you know, that they, they, they didn't want somebody else who's going to like, Going to challenge the personnel authority. I think they want Schneider in charge of that. So, and I think we're going the home run. I mean, he's uh, I mean, you never know. I mean, he could be the next Wade Phillips. You know, but I mean, you know, so certainly he deserves a shot. He's a great coordinator. So.
0: And, and honestly, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I don't. The the track record of coaches having full, full you know success also doing the GM role is is not hot. I mean, and, in Belich- yeah.
2: In the modern, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I don't you know and and that went per south pretty bad there at, you know the last 5 years so so I, I i can see why i mean you know and and i think that there, you know there's something about and there's something about football coaches too like i don't get the sense um that baseball managers or nba coaches are working these you know 18 19 hour days 24 you know right. 52 weeks a year, right? Um, and the culture of football. Well, they tend to be, is, be older,
1: like, right? I mean, they tend, both of those groups tend to be older than than what new football coaches are, right? I mean, a lot of new football coaches are under 40.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, although plenty of, there's plenty of young NBA coaches, but um, two, I guess. But yeah, I mean, maybe so. But I, I think that there's a, um, uh, there's a culture there of like these, you know, incredible egomaniacs demanding more and more and more control. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, and, and, you know, to the, to the point that you get like, you know, Adam Gase, like, you know, s- sleeping one hour a night so he can drop another screen pass that you know, goes for two yards, <laughs> you know, and, and oh, so wait, it's, not, it's nonsense. And suggestion. I think, I think it makes sense to push back on this from a, an, an owner's perspective and saying, look, the data does not suggest that this is actually ever going to work. Right.
2: Yeah. So does anybody uh, – I'm trying to think of the other – if there's any other uh, hires interesting enough to be worth. Um, well, I, mean, like, I everybody think everybody expected that, Mayo in New England.
0: Yeah, I mean I like the Mayo hire. I really like the Antonio Pierce hire. Um, I mean I, I I think that hiring somebody who actually like genuinely inspires your team and to the point that Max Crosby is like if you don't hire him, I want out yeah. Um, as almost your only legitimate player. Uh, mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so I, I mean, I like the, I like the Mayo higher. I like the Pierce higher. Um, Raheem Morris, maybe, you know, I don't know. Um, but I mean, I think that the Harbaugh hires is certainly the second more, well, the second most interest, the second most interesting good hire, right? I mean, I, you know, him, there's a lot of pressure on Harbaugh here, but I mean, harbaugh 60 everywhere he's gone and, uh, including with the 49ers. And so, um, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, that roster needs a lot of, of, Rejuvenation, but then there's also, I mean, the commanders ending up with Dan Quinn is just so typical. Commanders, I mean, that's a terrible <laughs> hire. I'm sorry, yeah. that is given all the other options out there, including Vrabel, but yeah. also including like, and then and then he goes in and just like fires Eric B. Enemy. So
2: there's now zero offensive oh, coordinator color in this fire's way. B. Enemy to bring in Cliff Fucking Kingsbury. And by yeah, like, the way, th- Kingsbury he's worked with Patrick Mahomes and now he's working with, with um, what, what's this, uh, the uh, uh completely blank heineke
0: it. is that the quarterback there no
2: no, no. the the guy's gonna the 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 presumptive number one choice um uh well i mean caleb williams will be number it was, one but like yeah like no but the one was like he worked right. with patrick mahomes and had a losing record and then right. he came and caleb williams got worse the year he was there like it's like, yeah, like right, the right, fact right. that he's had, he's shared rosters with good quarterbacks doesn't mean he's the reason they were good like Andy Reeves, <laughs> three, like he, he didn't develop. Like when he had Mahomes, he was like, it was like he dropped to death. In the, yeah, it's just like, like it's a, it's Adam Gase, but worse. Like I, it's like I don't understand. It's Like, but it's just amazing how just like being around good quarterbacks makes people think you're a good coordinator. And it's all like Kyler Murray showed a lot of development under. Like I, I that that's a bizarre, um, you know, to only give enemy one year and then to bring in Kingsbury. Like oh, uh, yeah, it's just, a, just again the the culture. You know, my wife has gotten
0: really into the NFL to a certain extent, in part because uh, you know, kind of going from the Taylor Swift thing. Uh, and she's listening to Kelsey Brothers podcast, so she's asking me all these questions, and then she's like watching Hard Knocks. It's all really weird, you know. Uh, she's asking sometimes these detailed questions, and she's just like, you know, she's watching these coaches, um, all these shows. She's like, "What's up with these people?" And I'm like. These coaches are freaking weirdos, man. I mean, like football coaches are weird motherfuckers. And they have the you know the, the and and these ideas that just get like generated in this weird conventional wisdom, you know, like, you know, like you're talking about that, you know, Adam Gase is is around a good a good quarterback once and so uh you know, we have to give him multiple jobs or you're talking about with Kingsbury. I mean, and, you know, evidence it's like the nfl is kind of an evidence-free zone in a lot of ways when it comes to hires and uh and i think that this is a perfect example of it it's like okay the fans know the media knows like nobody likes this hire any of these, dan quinn or kings mary but by god if it's not going to happen over and over and over again so you know
2: the yeah. i'm sure will have a lovely two years before they move on to another coach and Quinn would have been even worse in Seattle. Like why fire Pete, you know, Carroll to bring in like, you know, store brand Pete Carroll. <laughs> like oh man, that's, Like, <laughs> like that's, that's really scary. So that's I'm glad we dodged yeah. that bullet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So 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 uh for the record, and it's hard to actually find the MLB, but I was able to find the NBA. Um, I mean the NBA average is fifty one years old, and uh the NFL average is forty seven years old. And my guess the is the NHL. That major- of that one the NHL all like
2: has the, definitely the lower shelf life coaches.
1: coaches. So. That's a, I'd be right. curious. Um, but it is interesting, right? And it does speak to that. I mean, it's just, and that, you know, it suggests it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it is kind of a young man job or it's becoming a young man job, although Andy Reid probably would have a word about that. But, um, you know, so it, it is very interesting. So mm. you know how how uh, the demands upon the body um, and how those are reflected in hiring decisions, which, which it should
0: be said, is fucking unnecessary. Like you don't need to work 19 hours a day to develop yet another like three yard out pattern.
2: I mean, this is nonsense, <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's very American. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. very American. But yeah,
0: right.
1: no,
2: it's,
0: it's
1: nuts. right, right. right.
0: And yeah. on top of it, these guys have these gargantuan staffs, you know, who are also all doing this. Like they're you know. 30, you know, 25 year olds, 25 year old Harvard grads or whatever, like watching tape to discover something that is not going to do anything is, um, you know, is like a, a, in some ways is a perfect, uh, is a perfect window into American work culture.
2: Yeah, there's a really good book that came out a few years ago called Collision Low Crossers about like one of Rex Ryan's last years with the Jets. It's just like, like basically like coaches who only put in like 13 hours a day are considered slackers. Like that was a hell of a lot of effort expended. So you could go like, you know, f- you know, five and 11, <laughs> right.
0: by the way, by the way, while we're talking about coaching before we move on, did you guys read the athletic piece on the Jets and, uh, oh. and, and Robert saw like, my
2: God, I keep meaning to link that that was tremendous. Oh. I mean, uh, he looks like a pathetic loser.
0: <laughs> uh, and and the thing about it is the whole half of that article is about like solace freak out over leaks. What is he doing after that article came out? Right. Like, like he he must be like erupting in front of everybody. I mean,
2: what a loser! Yeah, yeah, and just everything about like and just. Like so many people like, like, you know, like Nathaniel Hackett is like just literally Aaron Rodgers' towel boy. Like that's just like. No,
1: everybody. well, but that's the entire thing I was thinking about when we were talking about, oh, well, you don't need to, you don't need to work 17 hours a day. And then like Nathaniel Hackett is proof of that, right? Because, <laughs> 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 you know, he shows up on like Thursday. I don't know. Should we watch some tape about the team? Wait, which team? <laughs> Our team? The next team? I don't know. It's hard, very hard to say, but. Yeah, he
2: and McCarthy were sort of the other extreme from the like you know, so, you know it's like you know you probably you probably need need to put in a little more of an you know that's, yeah, no, that's, like literally yeah oh yeah that was just uh, yeah it that was, it was, that was just amazing and yeah and again that's the problem with signing Rodgers that even if he still has some left as a player the fact that you have to take his like shitty coaches and his like terrible wide receivers and he you know the you know, and, and it made me a little sympathetic towards Zach Wilson because it brought in context so that, yeah, he said he didn't really want to go in, but that was after Sala told him he wasn't going to play the rest of the year and brought in a guy who was, like, the worst quarterback in the history of Connecticut football to, like, <laughs> play So I don't really blame Wilson. Like, you know, that's like, you know, if the coach says you're not playing the rest of the year, that's, you know, like, what, what you know, I, I wouldn't be thrilled about going out there either. I mean, so, get drafted,
0: getting drafted as a high-profile pick by the Jets is a terrible way to go because – you know, Woody Johnson's a terrible owner. They have terrible management up and down the line, terrible coaching. And you're in that media feast. I mean, I don't think Zach Wilson would have been a good quarterback elsewhere either, but yeah. it sure as hell doesn't help to put this kid in this media, like in this media world with such horrific leadership.
2: Yeah, and same thing happened to Donald. Who, you know, I know Wilson was a bit more of a controversial second pick, but I think Donald was not a particularly, you know, like I think that was a pretty chalk pick, and he was just as bad. So at some point, you have to you know, like wonder if it's the organization rather than the. So should we talk about the uh, the excellent uh, championship games?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about the two games. Um, uh, you know, I think one of which was excellent, one of which, see, was... yeah, one
2: was okay. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: One, I think one was. M- yeah okay let's start with uh with with I think the one that that people regarded as being less uh, astonishing, less terrific um which was the uh the you know the game between the Chiefs and Baltimore um where you know I, I, you know as I was watching it as I was you know paying attention to it through the entire time like a lot of times it was occurring to me that like I can see why people would view this as a bad game but actually this is being a very well played game right i mean you know, the Chiefs have established a lead, right? And they are defending that lead, and Baltimore is chipping away at it. Um, but really a lot of people here are trying to, you know, the people are 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 um you know they're trying to make this work. Um, and it's and it's uh, you know, the defenses are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and the offenses are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it turns out that the defenses happen to be better. So um, but you know, I found it, I, I found that to be, you know, a game where I think we all kind of expect it or or they set the expectations fairly early in the game, and those expectations were met, right? Which was that the Chiefs were going to win this game, that the Baltimore was going to, going to disappoint. But it was still a very interesting game, and, and it, it was a lot closer than I think that people, you know, sort of were really willing to talk about, right? That, um, you know, Baltimore actually approached within striking distance a couple times during the game, and it was, it, it was not a blowout, right? It was an interesting game.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I do feel at the same time. I mean, it, it, in a sense, yes. I mean, it's not as bad of a game objectively as as it's made out to be. I think it's people thought there was going to be an exciting offensive game to watch, and it wasn't. But I, I you know, I mean, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson looked bad. I mean, I think that this, this is part. of, I think this is the key to the narrative. I mean, we we we'll probably talk when we get to the Super Bowl about how the Chiefs, despite struggling all season. Um, you know, pull it out in the end. And it's, I think, a great coaching job of Andy Reid and everything else. But, you know, Lamar Jackson, I mean, it's he's such a in a sense, he's a unique character at this point in NFL history because he's going to win a second MVP. And yet he, there are all of these doubters about him actually being a good quarterback. Um, now, I think those doubters are you know, like a lot of that's racism. And I think it's bullshit. I mean, the guy has done some amazing stuff. But the fact of the matter is his playoff performances are bad. And that was a bad game on Lamar Jackson's part. Like, like the the the, the Ravens were the better team. Like the Ravens should have won that game. Um, it was a home game in addition. Again, the Chiefs did not look good for almost the entire season. Uh the Ravens are better than them in most positions, even if you say it's a wash or even give Mahomes the 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 lead at quarterback despite Jackson, you know, going to win the MVP, the Ravens are a better team and they played like crap. And that seems to happen a lot in the playoffs. Whether that's John Harbaugh, whether that's Jackson, whether it's just bad luck, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of years left for Lamar Jackson to to change that legacy. But I think that was I was disappointed. I, I was ho- hoping that the Ravens would win um, to get somebody new and to like end this narrative about Lamar. And, and now it's just everybody's going to double down on him.
2: Yeah, and I also enjoyed the game, but like I'm the kind of sicko, I actually enjoyed that Rams-Patriots Super Bowl. Like, I wouldn't want that all the time, but like watching two genius defensive coaches go at like I actually, I actually enjoy that. I will say this, and like Lamar did not have a great game, and the one like interception was, was terrible. Like when you see the dots, you can see the, like it did, it was also a clever defensive design. Like he did look open and then just basically everybody could, you know, it was a nice, but it's not a good throw. Having said that, I would say there's a couple mitigating factors. Like I think Munkin had an awful game. Like the chiefs do not have a good rush defense. They basically ran one non short yardage rushing play in the first half and got 14 yards and just did not run the ball. The rest of it, like, I have no, like they were never down by that much. Like I have no idea like why he went to an only pass against Spagnuolo's pass rush. Like, I just don't understand that, that play calling at all. Um, and Lamar also didn't get a lot of support from his, you know, there was that terrible fumble, um, you know, at, at the goal line, um, there's a couple of drops, like, you know, it was not, a, it was just not a good team for the offense all around. Um, and the running backs just didn't get a chance. Um, and, and, uh, I didn't think the receivers had a good game either. And that's one interesting thing is that like the bills, you know, are, are widely seen as this kind of self-destructive team. Really the Ravens have a lot of the same problems. You know, they have these good rosters and they're constantly like, you know, they don't get fourth downs. They're fumbling, they're dropping. Like they, they're just prone to like weird gaffes from like the entire roster. Um, The defense played great. I mean, basically after the first two drives, like they shut down. I mean, you, I think the defense was the, uh, they showed up. Um, so you can't fault their defense, um, but the offense is just, it was really, and, and I don't know if it was just out thinking it or they just like, basically spagnolo just dared them to pass, dared, dared them to run. And they just wouldn't run. It was just a very strange, um like great job in spagnolo, We'll talk about this. The Super Bowl. obviously mm-hmm. done a fantastic job there. And the chief's defense is really underrated, Um, but yeah. And, and, and again, that's not to like Lamar has got to play better if he's going to be regarded as one of the top quarterbacks um an MVP or no MVP I mean he's not Patrick Mahomes I mean right, that's right, mysterious I mean, right. come on um you know um but I also don't I, I will say that I don't think that's all on Lamar either um you know I don't think that the coordinator did him any favors and and I don't think the skill position talented him. and then a lot of dumb penalties too like just really undisciplined like they just really like that was a classic like, like everybody basically said like you know I'm not going to bet against you know Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes still like lose look pretty good because the the Ravens look like a team who like you know were were there for the first time and not really disciplined enough and you know the Chiefs just let them make mistakes and um, it was really that it, it felt like that kind of a game that the Ravens had more talent but just the the just the the execution was just seemed off all day
1: it was just really odd yeah yeah I mean I you know I can't really I can't really disagree with that um, uh, uh, you know that and and. There did seem to be, you know, it did feel like that there was a certain inevitability about it, um, uh, you know, at the point where where the Chiefs are ahead 17. They're ahead, they're ahead 17 to 7, right? But it still felt like that there was this inevitability, and it's not like the Chiefs really have this shutdown defense. But, um, you know, but but that said, right, you know, if, if the Zay Flowers fumble, right, if that had gone differently, right, the, the entire game has changed. And that's like a third quarter, um situation, I mean, that I, I think that happened in the third quarter. I want to say it happened in the third quarter, so there was still plenty of time left, right. Um, but it you know, it felt like the the Ravens just sort of accepted this sense of inevitability about the 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 chiefs winning this game, which I guess you know, is is you know, kind of i I guess it's something that crops up again and again with these playoff teams that are really good, right? that um, you know, they go into this game and they absolutely feel like they know how to win. Right. And whether it's the chiefs or the 49ers or sort of other teams, which have sort of long history, Patriots of, back in the day, Patriots, sure. no Patriots. Exactly. Right. And it's like, you know, a seven point, a seven, you're trailing, trailing the lions by seven. It feels to be constitutionally different than trailing the chiefs by seven. Right. Um, because the chiefs just sort of know right they 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 absolutely have the expectation that they're going to win um and uh you know even in this case where they're on the road um and they're not ahead by that far and it's not as if Lamar Jackson hasn't come back from from bigger deficits than this but it just had this sense of inevitability in the second half where where the the ravens just weren't going to be able to come back and they didn't right i mean they didn't seriously threaten the chiefs for the rest of the game
2: yeah, that's how I felt. Well, I mean,
1: there's
0: something to be said about, I mean, this is kind of an NBA argument, right? Where, you know, nobody takes the 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 top team seriously until they've at least made a finals, if not won a finals, right? I mean, like, you know, it's just a different thing in the playoffs. And, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think if anything that the season has shown anything, it's that. You literally do not count out a Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like like they oh, they uh, could look yeah. like crap all year. But once if they get into the playoffs, you know, watch out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had thoughts the same way, right? Exactly along those lines, but that still would make the Chiefs pretty unique, right? Because, you know, most really good teams in the NFL, there there is not sort of I mean, historically, there's just not this comparison with the NBA or the NHL where Um, Your very best teams will coast to a two or three seed or a five seed or whatever um, and then be able to win. Um, I mean, the NFL has never been that way because home field in the in the final two rounds of the playoffs are so important. Right. Just so critical. Right. And that does set this Chiefs team apart in that, you know, they go and they, they I mean, they beat two outstanding teams. On the road in this uh, and and in difficult places to play. Right. I mean, it's not as if Buffalo and Baltimore are easy, easy places to play. Right. And so it's an extremely impressive um, an extremely impressive Super Bowl run for this for this Chiefs team. No, I I totally and they, agree. And then the
2: Buffalo game is not as close as the score. Like they right. beat the Bills up really badly in that. Like again, there's like one fumble away from that not being. Like they they really and not on on like Allen himself played fine, but yeah, they 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 moved the ball all day. I mean that that uh, that game could have been more lopsided than it was. that they, they played great. Uh, there is one load management thing I think and I guess we're kind of trying well let's let's leave this until we get to the Super Bowl. I, I have a point but well let's 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 uh let's let's talk about the Lions uh 49ers. Uh I've been then I'll make this point about the Chiefs when we when we actually get to the game. All
1: right. Um so uh oh Eric did you have anything else to say about the Chiefs uh, uh Ravens or no. It, moving no, let's move on. All right. So uh you know this was obviously a very exciting game. Um you know the Lions the lions uh, you know they managed to get out to this to this to this big lead in the first half um i think that there was you know i mean there was a lot of excitement it was very interesting to sort of have everybody thinking of uh, thinking of the lions as america's team um and i really thought they were going to pull it off right um you know by, by at halftime i you know i was thinking yeah no i i get that the 49ers are the more talented team but you know, Brock Purdy was not impressive in the first half, right? And there were a whole bunch of reasons. Or the previous week, yeah. Right, or the previous week. And there were a whole bunch of reasons why you were, you were willing to say yourself, like, look, this significant lead on the part of, or by the Lions, um, you know, it's actually, it's actually going to play out that way. And then, and then, I mean, the 49ers came back on offense and on defense and just sort of demonstrated a whole of team effort. Purdy was enough, Right. Not really with throwing, but he actually was pretty impressive as a runner. Um, and uh, I mean, he was he was sufficient. And McCaffrey, we really I mean, it was really McCaffrey in in the end. Right. You know, on both the, the rushing and, and the um and the receiving that just felt so just lent this sense of inevitability to uh, the 49ers second half.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, once they started coming back, it was it was a freight train. And, and I mean. You know, look. I mean, the story of the the real narrative here is about Dan Campbell's fourth down calls, which I think is uh, a very frustrating narrative. In a narrative that um, uh, is 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 an amazing window into the ways in which conventional wisdom gets created, and in which people really, really, really don't like to. Um, uh, go against it. I mean, you, you, it's not, it's not surprising that coaches end up, you know, punting from the punting from the other teams, 45, uh, year in and year out, even though we all know it doesn't work when, uh, when the percentages don't work for you and you go for it and you don't win. And, uh, uh, and, and I think that the, the attacks on Campbell are, you know, basically like troglodyte thinking, um, it didn't work out, you know, um, but, um, and so we should probably talk about that. But I, I also, I mean, like the Niners are the Niners are like the perfect team except for their quarterback, right? I mean, you know, the, there's been a few issues on defense, and we probably saved a little bit of that till the Super Bowl, but yeah, to the Super Bowl conversation. But but they're like a perfect team. I mean, they've got, you know, McCaffrey is probably a Hall of Famer. You know, Samuel and Ayuk are fantastic. Kittle, you know, the line is good, the defensive line is good you know, maybe the secondary is slightly less good, but that's about as close to a perfect team as exists in the NFL at this point, minus the quarterback, which is a fascinating kind of scenario, which you don't see that often. So, um, you know, uh, y- you got to give credit to a team. That's a veteran team that knew how to win. And, um, you know, you got to give credit to, uh, to the coaching. Um, and I don't think the lions, you know, they came out flat in the second half, but, You know, they'll learn from that. And I think the Lions are going to be around for a little while, but, um, but I think that, uh, you know, all credit to the Niners for playing an amazing
2: second half. Right. Well, particularly it drives me crazy when all these arguments are, well, you know, Campbell by going for it, he completely changed momentum. It's like the momentum changing play was literally a ball that bounced off a fucking defender's face mask. And like, like, it's not like the 49ers like methodically drove the ball down the field, like literally he threw like a perfectly interceptable pass that happened to like, like, like bounce into somebody. like, it was a pinball. Wizard. Like it's not like, you know, like that. And, and really that's part of the reason that these fourth down things are so much it's like the game turned on the pinball wizard touchdown and then fumbling on the very next snap. That's the right. whole ball game right there. Like right. the, the, the 49ers are a better team. Like, you are not giving away 14 points to the 49ers and winning. And the first play was was bad luck, as much of a misplay. But the fumble – and it wasn't like the – the fumble in the Ravens-Chiefs game is a spectacular play by the Chiefs defense. Like, that the, – the Chiefs I – mean, that was an amazing play by That The Gibbs fumble was just an unforced error. And it's a rookie. i not – you know, but he just mm-hmm. – he had the play wrong and just didn't get the – he never had possession of the ball. Like, that's just – you can't make those mistakes. That's just you know you 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 know you against a team that good and and McCaffrey's just the reason. Like you know, as soon as they recover that fumble, that's a touchdown. And right. a lot of times right. teams don't score. You know, they settle for a field goal there. But you just know with that red right? like with with Samuel and McCaffrey, that's six. Like that's just there's no way. And, and then at that point, then you know that once that game is tied, they're a seven point underdog on the you know that, you know, that's, they probably lose. If Campbell goes for it, they probably lose. If he doesn't, that's just, you know, the other thing I want, to and I blogged about this, but the other thing that drives me crazy is when people talk about, well, Campbell took the points off the board. Like those are not guaranteed. Like literally the 49ers missed a kick from that distance earlier in that game. And they, they was like, they haven't let that guy kick outside in like a calendar year. Like, you know, it's like if they, now they like, if it's the Ravens, that's a different issue. You know, if you have Tucker and you have that defense, I might kick if you know, I might take the three points there. Like the lions have a good offense and they don't have a place kicker. And that like, so you can't, you can't just assume that you're getting the field goal. And if you miss the field goal there, it's devastating. Like you're giving, you know, the other team, the ball midfield and not even right. getting the points. So to me, that's what it turns on. Like, I do understand the argument that like the, the, the lions defense, you know, the Lions' always didn't have the yips a bit, like those drops, like they didn't look smooth, you know, But I just, you know, like to me, if I'm going to settle for three there, I better be really sure I'm getting the three. And I just don't see how 48 yards outdoors with that kicker yeah I, i'm sorry i'm not i'm not kicking the field goal there like, i just don't and and certainly it's at a minimum a very defensible decision like i just the idea and that's just not where the game turned it's just misplays those are not the, the plays that lost the game for the lions um that one again was a little unlucky but the gibbs fumble is just the kind of play you can't make if you know that the, the the 49ers can afford to make some of those mistakes the, the teams playing them can't that that's the bottom line you just you know you have to you need when purdy throws a ball that can be picked off you need to to pick it off and, <laughs> right, and, off, right, and you right. cannot you cannot fumble it just that's not not it, particularly in that way it's not like the defense made a great play you just you just fumble I mean that's just you know you're, that's just going to be a serious problem um and so you know and I do think that the Lions are they're they're still a really good team I think it's good that Johnson stayed um you know I think that helps them a lot um they're definitely going to need to to build out the receiver depth and that was the other thing that killed you know um, and we'll talk about that for the 49ers perspective. But, you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, Goff made a lot of good throws that didn't get picked up. And that's the other thing about that fourth down play. They got a guy open and he was rushed a little bit, but that's a catchable ball. And then the third down that Reynolds dropped is even worse. And then there was that flea Ficker, like right through the guy's hands. Like that right. was like a perfectly designed I mean, play. Goff made a great throw. That's a touchdown and again. And just, yeah. well, I mean, you know, mistakes. and, and,
0: I mean, mean, honestly, like Josh Reynolds is an unplayable NFL player. Like he is terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he was good all season. Like, I mean, he had his worst game when to count it. But, you know, it's like the Chiefs with Kadarius Toney. Like eventually you just have to stop playing the guy. And it's, I don't not think it's a coincidence that the Chiefs offense starts coming together. Once Kadarius Toney is not fucking up eight times a game. And, you know, like, yeah, I mean, the Lions in the sense, the Lions had an amazing season, I think. You know, they're building that team. They're doing it in an amazing way, but they're not there yet. I mean, that's a piece of it. They are not good enough yet, and and there's no harm in that. They're just a year, I think, a year too soon. I mean, I would not be surprised, obviously, depending on what happens, to pick the Lions for the Super Bowl when we do our preseason podcast.
1: Right. No, it'd be very interesting. But, yeah, no, they're a strong team. But, yeah, I mean, they were exposed here in a lot of ways.
2: They got to improve that secondary too. That's the other thing. That's that 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 you know, like you know, Baker Mayfield threw for three fifty against. Like you know, that that's the other thing. That it, it's not a you know, they they need another pass rusher and they they need better corners. Right? That's that's the other thing. That that's that's where they're really like you know, they're they're gonna you know, and they have the offense that they can win shootouts sometimes, but it's very difficult to 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 make playoff runs that way. Like they that that defense needs to improve. So shall we move on to the big game?
1: Yeah, no, I'm happy to move on to the big game. So, um, how about? Uh, so, I don't want to start, but uh, how about I'll hand it to? Uh, what are your first impressions? So, how about we each go through the three of us first impressions of the game, and then we'll cycle through again and make the actual picks on. Uh, I mean, the, the the game is it's San Francisco minus two, right? So it's it's not exactly flat, but it's close enough to flat that um, you know there's not that much difference in betting the line versus betting the. Uh, betting the, the win. So, um, we'll go through once and general impressions. And then the second time we'll, we'll, we'll make our picks. How does that sound? Yeah. Sounds good. righty. So, uh, Loomis, why don't, why don't you, why don't you fire us up here?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was really fascinating. Uh, first of all, that the Niners have a very openly public narrative that their defense has played like shit for the last few weeks and it's openly calling out their pretty awesome defense and they have slipped a little bit. Um, I um, am pretty bullish on the uh, on the 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 Niners here. I think that's the right term it was a bearish. I don't remember a Wall Street terms. I think the Niners are going to win the
1: game. Bullish, we're uh, just bullish. bullish is what. Is what thank you're you, to thank say. you, thank you. I don't I don't invest <laughs> on
0: Wall Street. What the fuck do I know? I'm a labor historian. I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't engage. Everyone that crap,
1: bet though. against Loomis's four hundred one k. Yes.
0: <laughs> do I do I do I have one? I'm not really
1: sure.
0: <laughs> um, uh, but. Uh, In any case, um, you know, I think they're going to come out pretty pumped. I mean, I think that they – and I really like this team. I mean, again, it really depends on Purdy, and and, and I think it's going to be fascinating because we still do not know how to evaluate this player, right? I mean, usually a quarterback is the leader of a Super Bowl-winning team. And, I mean, even Eli Manning was sort of, right? And, I mean, you almost have to go back to, like, Dilfer, to where you're like, eh, or Flacco, I guess, Flacco, like, eh, Flacco I think, I you know, like okay, you kind of suck actually, but um, you know, so I just don't know what a it's interesting. I think, like, what is a pretty comp at this point? Is it is it Gino? You know, is he kind of at that sort of a level? Like, would Gino win the Super Bowl with this 49ers team? Um, you know, i kind of see him as a mid level quarterback, which is still really good, obviously, for a seventh round pick, and you know, obviously, much be better than Trey Lance or Garoppolo, but um. You know, and and uh, so uh, you know, I I really like what the Niners are doing. I think they're challenging themselves. And I think that that Super Bowl loss a few years ago really stings for them. Um, and I think again, if they're playing well, they're really, really, really difficult to beat. On the other hand, <laughs> uh, it, the the Chiefs just are. One of those teams, right? This should have absolutely 100% been the year that the Chiefs had a down year, right? And they did have a down year until they didn't, right? Until right. it mattered, and then they're crushing, right? You know, I mean, the offense all of a sudden clicking, the defense is so well put together. Chris Jones is so good. I, I really, I mean, I, I think that I really like the Niners. I'm get into this, but, but. I'm not a betting man, and I think that's good because God, I just like my whole, my my brain is saying half of my brain is saying the Niners are objectively a better team, and the other half is saying after all of this, you're still going to bet against the Chiefs? Like, are you insane? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, man. I I think it's going to be a really good game uh, overall, and um, but I do like how the, the the Niners are challenging themselves publicly and engaging in open narratives about how you know they've played like crap recently and uh, they need to step it up which I don't think I remember a Super Bowl winning team or Super Bowl, uh, uh team who just won an amazing comeback when being openly like, yeah, we play like crap and like, we can't do that again. I mean, I, I mean, to me, that's probably solid coaching and the Niners do have solid coaching up and down the line. So. Hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. I almost feel that like this, if I were, I could do like an, an amoral, like, Harvard debate society thing. And like argue both sides of this pretty convincingly. I think the case for the Niners would be, if you look at body of the, of work the whole year, they deserve to be favored. Like maybe not huge favorites, but definitely soup to nuts this year. They were the better team. Um, You know, the weakest part of the chiefs is the rush defense. So as long as McCaffrey stays healthy, like I don't see, um, you know, I I really don't see them stopping. I, I was going to put a McCaffrey prop bet and a touchdown, but was paying like minus 350 or something. Like it's just like <laughs> it's just like babe, you know. So it's it's almost automatic. Um, you know, and and uh, you know, it's it's again, it's you know, it's it's a it's a really deep team in terms of the skill personnel. Like that's an advantage. Um so I think a lot comes down to kind of the questions Eric raised earlier is that, you know, do is it just recency bias to look at the Chiefs during the playoffs? Or is there, uh, is there reason to, um, uh, to think that like, they're actually, you know, that they're, they're, they're better than they looked in the regular season. And there's some case I'm, I'm, I'm distracted because now that I'm happy for the Flames to be playing for a draft pick, they're being the best team in the NHL. So anyway, um, uh, the poor Bruins, Uh, but it seems to me that the, um, you know, cause like the first thing is, as Eric said, is that part of what held their offense down this year is they kept throwing to Tony, you know, they, they kept trying out these bad receivers in the playoffs, you know, and, and part of that is cause like you can't throw it to Kelsey 15 times a game in the regular season and have them hold up like that's, you do sort of have to be a little careful with that in the playoffs. You can just keep, you know, you can use Kelsey a lot more. So they've really streamlined it down to Kelsey rice and then MVS you know, is a little better than he showed this year. And he has made some catches in the playoffs, like, you know, as a, as a secondary option, he, he should be at least acceptable. So I think that that's a bit, you know, so that the question is, you know, you know, do you think that the chiefs are better than their regular season performance? And I think there's something to that. Um, So I guess the best case that I can make for the chiefs is the chiefs, I think have a better defense. They were top five defense all year. The the ers defense has not look good in either playoff game. And I think they will be better. But the you know, the because even in that, even in the fourth quarter against the Lions, like it was a lot of unforced errors on the part of Detroit. There were drops. Like it's not, you know, they did did that second, fourth, and and three. They defended brilliantly. Like Wilkes definitely got the drop on Johnson there. That that play had no chance. Um, you know, the pass rush was a little better. But the Lions were getting receivers open and and Goff had time to throw. They were just drawing, you know, so it's not like you know, it wasn't like they just like were a brick wall in the fourth quarter. Like that was as much. And and, and you're not going to, if you give those opportunities to Mahomes, he's going to move the ball. No, that the drop problem can still be, you know, obviously, but again, I think the drop problem has been mitigated by the fact that the, the bad Kansas city receivers are just not going to see the ball um, in this game. And so I, I think that, you know, normally an NFL team can't loan manage because the games are just too close. Like the margins are too slim. But I do think that with Kansas city specifically, there's the, you know, their best player is an aging tight end who just can't, you know, you, you just can't use them in every day in the regular season. Um, but you know, so I think that that's where, you know, so I, I just think basically I, I bet on the chiefs with real money against the bills and it felt great all game, even though it was close. Like I, I felt, ah, it's good. And then last week I had the Ravens Rashi told me to do, and I never felt like that. I was exactly like Rob, like even though the game was objectively close at no point did I think the Ravens were coming back so that there is something about, and again, whether I'm just falling for like the, the fallacy of the, but I think there is something with the chiefs. Um, You know, and again, that's what I'm saying. Like the 49ers are an excellent team. I do think the defense will probably be a little better than it's shown the the first two games. Um, You know, and and I think with Purdy, it's really interesting that on the one hand, like he, he really didn't look good in the green Bay game and you know, he struggled a bit. I will say this, the, I will say this about Purdy to be a advocate is that, I think Gino's actually a good comparison in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, and that's the interesting. Like, people will call Purdy a game manager. He's not. Like, he pushes the ball down the field. Like, he throws a deep ball. You know, he's not just dinking and dunking. Like, you know, and it, obviously he does. You know, a few times a game, he's going to throw like a flat pass that D was going to run for thirty yards. But it's not like he doesn't throw down the field or won't challenge defenses. But the thing with Gino is just that he's going to throw three interceptable balls a game. And it's a question of whether the defense makes the plays. Um, and that's what Purdy's like, you know, and he let like the, the, the Packers should have had at least three interceptions. Um, and the Lions did get one, but they definitely could have had a couple more. But the one thing about Purdy is that, um, and this is Gino's biggest problem is that he takes way too many sacks. Um, and that's the one thing that Purdy does. Like, I do think that the Chiefs will contain the edge a little better. Like, I don't know he's going to run for as many first downs. But the one thing is that he can handle a pass rush to some extent. Like, you know, if, if his first option is not there, he can run around. He can make plays. And that's the one thing. Like, I'd rather have Goff than than um, than Purdy. But the one thing is if, if Goff's first reads aren't there, the play is over. Like, he's not running. And he's not going to, like, run around and even, like, create space. The one thing I do like about Purdy is that like he's mobile enough that, you know, he can, you know, that he can evade a pass rush for a little while, wait for one of those receivers to come open. And so that's the best case scenario for the 49ers is that, um, you know, the chiefs have a really, really good pass rush and are incredibly well coached. Um, but Purdy may be able to hold up to that in, in a sense, you know, again, I'd much rather have Lamar. Um, but Lamar did seem to get rattled by that pass rush. And it will be interesting to see if Purdy can kind of hold up. So, um, I think it's probably obvious which way I'm leading, but I, I don't, I mean, the 49ers are an outstanding team, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's actually a fascinating matchup. I mean, I think we're getting the, the two best teams in the NFL, um, you know, both relatively healthy, um, it see, it's a fantastic matchup, like two really well coached. Um, I'm not, you know, the other thing is I'm not wild about shanahan in a close game well you know here's the other thing to watch out shanahan is a great play caller but not a great game manager and the 49ers place kicker blows hmm. that's that's another thing too this game comes down to a field goal the chiefs have a great great field goal kicker and the 49ers don't um and that may not be relevant but that is i think something to consider in a game this closely matched i i, I do i like the chief teams one
0: uh, can I uh, can I intervene here briefly to note um, as we are recording, um, and I'm really curious about Scott's responses. Uh, the 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 Chargers have just hired Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator.
2: <laughs> Such a weird choice with Herbert, because like Roman is the kind of running the really simple offense for the RPO. And like, it worked really well with Tyrod for a couple of years and it worked really well um, for, although I think it was limiting for Lamar, but I think it was good for Lamar as a young quarterback. I don't get that with Herbert at all. That's a really weird. Um, yeah. that That's a strange. like, and I don't think Roman's a bad coach. I, I don't think it's like hiring Kingsbury, but it's a weird, it's just, it's just a weird fit for Herbs. Uh, I, I don't I don't really get yeah, it's that's a strand. I mean, I don't could
1: know. the argument the argue, could the argument be made, right, that that with Herbert, you just need to sit down and just like we are just going to let his physical gifts take over this game, right? And so let's just be as simple and straightforward as we can. And we don't need to be sophisticated, we don't need to be crazy, we just need to set up situations where there's this automatic mismatch by by virtue of the fact that we have the most physically gifted quarterback on the team or on the on the on the field.
2: Yeah like develop a running game, make things, you know, it's not right. bad, you know. I mean, yeah, I guess Har- it depends Harbaugh's on how they're going to actually build the rest of the team up,
0: right? Because right. the team needs to be – so much of that team needs to be torn down and rebuilt that it may suggest something about where they're going. I mean, remember, Herbert Herbert can do a lot, including run the ball a little bit. So, they're, you know, I mean, like, uh, we'll, we'll see. But, I
2: mean, I'm not I'm not super inspired by it, but I guess we'll find out. I mean, Harbaugh and and, and- – Roman's last collaboration involved being one play away from the super bowl with Colin Kaepernick. So the tracker, mm-hmm. good, but it's just, again, Kaepernick seems like the kind of quarterback that Roman works well with. And that's just very different than Herbert. Um, you know, now, maybe Harbaugh knows like maybe Roman's smart enough to adapt his style with the new quarterback. I mean, you know, I guess, and, and I guess with like Harbaugh is somebody probably, you know, he he probably wants somebody he's worked with before, Um, you know, like I, I think Harbaugh is going to have a pretty big say in how the offense is run. Like he seems like a pretty big, so, um, so I guess, yeah, I mean, I I guess if you look at what they did in San Francisco, uh, but it's just, but that's, what's curious to me is that the kind of quarterbacks he's worked well with are really very different than Herbert. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can adapt um, but you know, I mean, having said that it's also the best quarterback he's ever worked with. So, um, right. you can look at that. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say, I mean, Herbert is not as accomplished as Lamar yet. I can't really say that, but uh, so, And so I don't even know if you can say, but he's the most talented thrower. Can we say right. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: Has the biggest arm. Um, yeah. so, so back to the, back to that, and, and I'll combine my, my, my two segments here. Um, you know, I mean, you know, my, my, my feeling about how this game is going to uh, develop, um, you know, is really quite a bit affected by, you know, my, my, my how I watched the Chiefs-Bills and the Chiefs-Ravens, right? Where, you know, and, you know, the thing about the, the Chiefs scoring 17 points in that game and winning that game, you know, Mahomes was 30 for 39, Right. I mean, like, (laughs) yeah, he just he just completed the passes he needed to complete. And, um, you know, they set up their offense very carefully so that they're even when they didn't score, there weren't lots of three and outs. Right. That they were burning clock off consistently. They were always placing pressure on the 49ers. And it just felt like such a well-oiled machine. And 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 one that was utterly calm. Right. And that that was sort of something that I got from from both the the Buffalo win and the um and I think this is where sort of the NBA comparison comes in right both the Buffalo win and the um and the uh the uh Baltimore win is that the Chiefs just seemed confident and serene for the entire those in both of those games right in, in their approach um and it's just very hard for me you know my feeling is that they will I mean and and you know, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want to fully adopt Scott's position here on Brock Purdy, but, you know, they're they're going to find Brock Purdy's uh, weak points and they're going to exploit them. Right. Um, and they're they're going to exploit his inexperience. They're going to exploit the fact that, you know, f- fundamentally he is, uh, you know, a top 20 quarterback rather than top five quarterback in the NFL, Um and and and, uh, you know, fundamentally, that's how that's how this is going to work out. And, you uh, you know, I, I guess I would look at this game and say you're going to see something that's actually pretty similar to what we saw in the uh, what we saw in the Chiefs Ravens game. Right. That you, it's not I would actually probably bet the under here because you have two very good defenses. Right. Um, and you're going to see the chiefs take a lead and uh, I think that they're going to fight very carefully um and uh, very incrementally to hold that lead um, for the course it's like it's a bulldog that is just they are, they are a bulldog that is going to seize the sort of lower scruff of uh, the other team of the 49ers and they're just not going to let go and that's how and I think that that's how it's going to play out and I think we're going to see we're going to see the chiefs win this game um I loved I loved the criticism of uh, Pat Mahomes that came out like, Like like he he peels his shirt off in the locker room and like all of the media critics are like, that's dad bod there, right? That The man doesn't have abs. He doesn't have pecs. He doesn't have abs. He doesn't seem to have muscles at all. Right And then Mahomes is like, they're all uh, they're all under the fat <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which just is such a great answer, right but uh you know and but that just again sort of speaks to this like just kind of confidence they have in this sereneness and and Mahomes just has absolutely no doubt about his place in NFL history right and and he's not concerned about it he's not worried he's just gonna go out there and and win a Super Bowl and that's that's what he he's gonna he what he feel like he's going to do and I even though at this point where I think, and it came up earlier in an earlier podcast that fundamentally we're just all pretty fucking tired of the chiefs winning playoff games. They're actually really good at winning playoff games. And uh, I think they're going to win this playoff game.
0: I mean, I'd rather have the chiefs, Winning playoff games over and over than you know a lot of I'd rather have them winning it yeah. than the, the Cowboys Niners. or a lot of other teams or the, even the Patriots. So I I'm not that tired of the Chiefs to be honest. Like you know it's it's great to watch uh,
2: a small market team do really well. Basically, and I love Andy. I mean he's yeah great. yeah. And a lot of that serenity really does come from him too. Like it really, and that's where like the bills, that is part of it. Like, and I think, you know, McDermott's a really good coach, but he is like, wow, really. And it just, it does seem to carry, you know um, you know, there's just something about that that you just, although it's weird. He should, he should have, uh, he should have made more Taliban references to motivate the yeah. team. I mean, yeah. I would have, I would have well, been. having said that Harbaugh's really chill and his team seems to make all the same mistakes in those games too. So that's not all it, but I mean, it's just, there's, they are really, really superbly coached and the Niners are too. I mean, again, Shanahan is a, especially as an offensive coach is, is, is almost, re, you know, he's one of the few people who can say he's, he's on Reed's level. I mean, he's just, as a pure play caller, um, he's, he's incredible. And then the team does have a good depth of talent, but yeah, there's just something about the, And it's not just the teams. Like if the 49ers had just blown out the Packers and, and the, uh, and the lions, I think it would think very differently. Like, frankly, they got outplayed in both of those games. Uh, I mean, I mean, they really, could have very easily lost without some unforced error by the team. Now, again, I, I don't want to put too much on that. Like, I think the 49ers will absolutely play better. Um, you know, they're a better team than that reflects. I, I don't think you want to overweight that, but you know, I do think it in a game that's so closely matched, the fact that the Chiefs have found another level in the playoffs, um, and, and the 49ers have not looked as good. Um, you know, and then I think the other thing we haven't talked about with the 49ers, too, is that, and again, I when I when I compare to Gino. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, the the Seahawks have had a top 10 offense the last two years. Like that's a, a, you know, that's a above average player. Like he has a good arm. He throws a good deep ball and he's very, you know, he's, he, you know, he can, he can make some plays his legs. He's good. He's not great. He's good. He's also, you know, infuriatingly lucky at times, Mm -hmm. but you know, he's, he's, you know, he's good. Um, but you know, the one thing is that if they lose any of Debo or, or McCaffrey or Williams, like he gets noticeably worse. Like it's like they can. That's the one thing. And you know, McCaffrey has, you know, he's, he's a lot of touches this year. So that would be my other concern about the 49ers, is that um, you know, that that like Mahomes can sort of withstand not having his full complement of weapons, like Purdy can't. Um, so that's the other thing, too, is that you do worry you know, with McCaffrey and Debo, especially about whether they can get through 60 minutes, Um, That would be my other concern, but I do, I will say that. I mean, I think that's that I I don't want to overstate that because I think the 49ers will be better than they were the previous two weeks, but I just, there is something about just how well the chiefs have played and how in control they look that I don't think is just recency bias. Like I think there is something to be said for they have, they're streamlining the offensive players they're using. um, And, and it's just hard, but again, it's it's a, it's a great game. Uh, Eric, do you want to give your picks before I do or doing it?
0: Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, sure, why not? I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I I think a lot's going to depend on um, the Niners' defensive strategy. Uh, you know, I saw uh, something a little while ago uh, with Mina Kimes kind of suggesting that maybe um, it might make sense to actually stack the box um, against the Chiefs and force them to throw, which is fascinating, right? I mean, her point was like, I can't imagine ever saying that before. But – you know, Pacheco is a huge part of that offense and the receivers are really not good. And I think that, um, you know, obviously outside Kelsey, but that that's a different, different thing. And, uh, and, and rice, obviously his potential. I mean, I, I think he's, but, but we all know that the chiefs receivers at this point are not their strong, strong point and compared to the
2: 49ers. Certainly. Yeah, no, good. certainly not.
0: And, and, you know, really probably have one of the worst, you know, one of the worst receiving rooms, of the league, I mean, to be totally honest, it's, it's only among the good teams. For yeah. Me. It's certainly not good. Like, you know, I mean, it, at best, Rice would be the maybe the third best receiver, even on the Seahawks. You know, so I
2: mean, and I'm not sure I wouldn't have rather have Stifft and Jigba.
0: Oh, I think I would too. Actually, I yeah, think yeah. I would too. So, so it's not a good receiver room, right. and right. so you know, and and it's notable as well. The the weakness of the Niners on defense really is the secondary. I mean, I love the or Lenore because he's a duck, but you know, that, that's not necessarily a Super Bowl winning cornerback. Um. And so, you know, the, the, the Niners real weakness on defense does not uh, match up with the, the, the chiefs strength on offense. And so, you know, I think that it certainly is a very compelling case. That if the Niners come out and actually force the chiefs to do what they're not very good at, that, um, uh, that there is a better chance uh, for the Niners and you know, Kelsey's probably going to get some yards and all of that, but then the Niners can, you know, the, the Niners can cover him given the quality of of the linebackers, um, at least as well as anybody can. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess I'm going. I am a very, very slight lean to the Niners, uh, just because in the end I think they are a better overall team. So I would probably take the Niners by three, but um, but not more than that um and you know I, I this could be it has the potential anyway uh to be a really really classic super bowl with two incredibly well-matched teams that are both like so well-coached and both have both have uh you know multiple hall of fame players on them and, and you know it's going to be a lot of fun yeah
2: no yeah I'm, I'm really so I, yeah and that's that's an interesting thing and yeah. that's another thing that leaves so well i i have actual so i i uh I have the, uh, I have chiefs uh, plus plus one ten on the, on the money line. Um, and then I parlayed the chiefs plus two with the over. So I'm going a little differently than Farley because I think the over under is only 47.5. And I guess my feeling is that the 49ers can't be held off the scoreboard entirely, but I think that the chiefs will be able to move the ball against San Francisco. mean, another thing that I was thinking of too, is the the 49ers are also really vulnerable to like physical, like up the middle runners, um, you know, like the middle of their line is not great. And that's, you know, it's like, like Montgomery and Jones both ran really well against them in those previous games. And Pacheco just seems like a perfect, uh, you know, so, so, uh, you know, the kind of perfect guy there. So I, I think that the chiefs will actually be able to score as well. Um, you know, cause that's not a huge number of points, but I see this being more like, um, like kind of 27, 21 kind of thing. Um, but uh I mean, you know that's, it's,
1: that, it's that, that's a pretty that's a pretty tight margin for the over oh that's true, right. yeah. A little more, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. A little, yeah, so, so, say like more like yeah, let's let's say 3124. Let's <laughs> let's give myself a little more margin area there. Um, that feels yeah, high to me, though. That feels high.
0: That feels like yeah, feels yeah, yeah. like a lot of points for this game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I maybe, you know, Farley maybe as part of it. I just I hate betting on the under in general, but um, they want to have some fun. But yeah, no, it's it's it's, it, you know, I, I think it's, but again, it's, I, I, you know, so I do lean chiefs um, and that's partly just because in such an evenly matched game, if, if I'm getting money, um, you know, I, I, you know, I think that's it, but you know, I, I, you know, I'm not surprised at all the 49ers win again, that's, you know, if, if all the skill players stay healthy um, you know, it's uh it's, 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 it's an offense is going to be very hard to shut down. And I do think their defense will look better than it did the previous two weeks. I mean, the, uh, the body of work over the years is much better um, you know, the, the, you know, they don't, yeah. again, like the, the outside of well, the, the only one thing is that the, um, uh, what's, what's the name of the guy they got from, from the commanders, uh, chase uh, Young's what the chase young. Chase young. Yeah. Yep. He has been a, he looks as washed as bond Miller. He's like 25. He has done nothing. And I thought that was yeah, a great sucked, acquisition yeah. for them. He's really, so I don't know if he's got another gear that he can go to, but I like, I figured like putting him with Bosa, he'd look really good. He really has been barely noticeable. I don't know what the deal, like, I don't know if he's like fighting through an injury or something, but man, that's been a, that's I'm, I'm surprised by how little impact he has on these games. I would have thought that would have been a big, uh, oh, big deal. He's he's a complete bust. Yeah.
1: So um, for for our last topic here, um, uh, you know, I do want to, I, and I think we have to talk about this, right? Um, you know, this being a, a, you know, politics, sports and culture uh, uh, podcast and, and general blog more generally. Um, I think we have to talk about uh, Tay-Tay and Kelsey, right? And so, um, you know... You know, both in terms of the cultural impact, which has just been really fascinating, right? It's it's not as if it's unusual for NFL players to date famous women, right? And and a lot of people brought up that Josh Allen, you know, his girlfriend is Haley Steinfeld, right? Who is, uh, you know, an extremely incredibly talented actress, right? And uh, in lots of good stuff, you know, Taylor Swift is, you know, is is an entirely different level of superstar, right? And I'm not, and it is interesting, right? Because there there is almost this unique aspect. Because I don't know that we've had a Super Bowl which has involved a figure sort of as stratospherically important as her um, in such a in such a way, right? And it's also kind of fascinating, right? That um, you know, if you were writing this as an as a writer, right, that 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 the Chiefs have used Kelsey more um, in the playoffs, and especially when she's been around right and his brother shirtless and the in so, the thing and then all of that has sort of played into um you know the the sort of the bandwagon around the chiefs um, and so i guess um you know, what are your guys thoughts? And so Eric, you mentioned earlier that, uh, that, uh, your, your uh, your better half has been very interested in the, in the Taylor, um, to Taylor Travis saga. Um, I guess both of you, what are your feelings about sort of how this has taken over? Um, and you know, people are going to be plane tracking her private jet as it leaves Tokyo and, and heads to, to Las Vegas to this game. What are your guys feelings about, about, you know sort of how 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 this particular thing is being covered uh, in terms of the sort of broader super bowl coverage
0: well I, you know i mean i think that the real story is the right wing freaking out over this which i i just am yeah i mean it, it's 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 amazing to me to have nonsense reach this level i mean it's just unbelievable to me that this is this this the right wing is like so freaked out that that an NFL tied in that you know I think I I mean I've got to hate to quote this guy in a positive way I mean mother of god this makes me sick but Ross Duthat noted and please forgive me for even mentioning his name but noted that like the idea that, like, here's this pop star who's been dating these, like, lame musicians and, you know, these, like, soft boys or whatever and now is dating, like, a stud NFL tight end has found a real man should be a conservative talking point, right? That this should be – this is, like, a conservative fantasy come true and yet, you know, these people on the far right who, let's face it, I mean, despite, you know, a few media figures or a bunch of scared old people – you know, it's just another outrage thing and I it's just it's just uh, kind of mind blowing. And so Taylor's, th- this whole thing you know, th- this whole thing has been very good for the NFL because now you have a whole generation of young, you know, or middle aged women uh <laughs> who are interested in a league in which uh they never would have been interested in it before. So it's a pretty huge win for the NFL, but it's also a win for the complete nonsense of twenty first century America. So
2: yeah, and I actually thought that that do thoughts calm about that about how like it's just impossible for like conservatives to be normal at all post Trump is good. I do think that he he underplays the anti-vax part of this. Like that's right. a huge part of that. Like that the like Kelsey was their enemy even before he dated. So I do think that's a major. Yeah. Well, um, you know, just, it's just how how important anti vaxism is to Republicans now. It's just baffling.
0: Well, and it is interesting on top of that how, um, y- y- you know. In these culture wars, NFL play, white NFL players have been so negative in general, right? I mean, you know, I remember there was a poll, an informal poll in 2016 of the Bills locker room, and like every white player on the Bills was voting for Trump, like every single one, that you have this huge charismatic figure, and I don't know who Travis Kelsey is going to vote for, nor do I particularly care, which should be how most of us feel about how athletes vote, but- is like actually takes public health seriously is seen as like, so beyond the pale of basically being like a member of the Illuminati or whatever the fuck, um, that, that you have this, it's just a sad state of affairs, man. It's just, this country is fucked up. Um, and, uh, well, uh, you know, you have this kind of like rump minority of people who are completely insane, and and this is a perfect well, example. I feel
1: like that. I feel like there was a time in the history of American conservatism where people, or the history of American cultural politics, where people were drawn to conservatives because they didn't politicize everything, right? Because you know, conservatives really did want to, um, and and you know, in in political science, right? I mean, much of so much of political science is about politicizing things, right? um politicizing cultural topics and sort of delving into and and so conservatives for very long right one of, one of the things that was supposed to be attractive about them was the fact that they wanted to let sleeping dogs lay and not politicize these things and now right this and and you know i also read the column and it's absolutely correct right it's like this is the kind of relationship that conservatives should want celebrities to have, right? You know, and so you know but the but the thing is that that, that Taylor uh you know that Tay Tay endorsed Biden in twenty twenty and Kelsey got vaccinated. And that's it, right? That's that's the end. That's finished. And it's it's well, uh, I, it's fascinating. And I think
0: they're scared I think they're scared of a of a Taylor endorsement in twenty four because, you know, like these Trump people are saying, you know, these morons are saying, oh, you know, if we win, like, we're going to mess with her or whatever. Like, like Swifties will fucking crush these people. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like they will. They, these people are better online. There's a lot more of them and they are a lot more committed to their leader than Trumpers are to theirs. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, good luck. And, and I think that they're th- these conservatives, these right wingers are so scared of the world right now that any little thing is like going through the roof level of freak out. And, and I think they're between the, the, between Kelsey doing the vax ads, Taylor, you know, uh, uh, endorsing Trump, uh, Biden and 20. And then just the idea of like football evidently no longer being like a place where men can be men sitting on their couch and eat fucking nachos. Uh, is like is like a serious issue for them, and it's just again, it's just a really sad state of affairs about about this country right now.
2: Well, that's another aspect of this too. Is like one thing that that Elon has inadvertently shown to us is like how much of like Trump's fans are just like you know people who spend all day on their incels who spend all day online saying that. Uh, you know, just like, you know, complaining about their lies and arguing that like Margot Robbie's a three. You
1: know, it's
2: like it's like you like like fundamentally like resent and he's like, you know, like you know, it's like like literally they're just like, you know, all these elaborate arguments about like why it's gay to be having sex with Taylor Swift. Like it's just like you know, it's just <laughs> like, these people are just like deeply, deeply weird. <laughs> like, it really is. Like, it's like, so movement of Ian e- e Miles Trongs, like, it's really just baffling. It, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very, very revealing. Um, it, instantly, for some reason, like, Emily hates Taylor Swift. and I, I don't really understand why, but interesting. You
0: know, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I honestly am, am kind of mixed on her mu- musically. Like, it's fine. It's very good yeah. pop music. Like, it's, yeah. I, I guess, it, it's fine. I don't like her as much as I like, would like Ariana Grande or, yeah. Uh, or like Rihanna, um, but the idea of like actually hating Taylor Swift is uh, uh, kind
2: of bizarre to me, actually. So. Yeah, she had a girlfriend. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's like I just I I tune out at a certain point of the. I, I don't know. There's some, yeah. something going on anyway. I don't. I don't no, know. Her,
1: but. her music is perfectly appropriate for in certain circumstances, but I've never, you know, and I certainly would never even consider right paying money to see her, right? Especially given the yeah. several mortgages I would have to take to actually make that happen. Right. So um, you know, but but still it's a it's a it's a culturally fascinating moment for America that that this is what we're fixating on right now. Um and it's interesting, right? Because I think Kel you know both of the you know Kelsey it's very interesting, right? Because you're looking at an NFL player who is now like experiencing a level of scrutiny that goes well beyond what he sort of got himself into. Right. But Kelsey seems to be doing fine with it. Right. He seems to be able to manage this just fine, sort of hopefully not stepping on her toes and nevertheless still still being able to manage to being a, you know, a very effective football player. And so it is very interesting because I think it does create a lot of pressure on him. Right, all of this narrative right creates a lot of pressure on him as a football player and as someone who has to be a public figure in the run up to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I imagine that Jason has a lot to do with all of this and managing this as well. I mean, you know that first of all, it's pretty clear these guys don't give a fuck about a whole lot. Like right, right. these guys are kind of goofballs and could Be intolerable actually to know personally. I mean, honestly, <laughs> they sound like just like frat idiots, but um, but whatever, right? You know, and um, they but he does, they do see he does see me managing pretty well. I mean, they already had the podcast, mm-hmm. um, which has gone pretty viral, and you know, they're funny dudes. And I, I, my suspicion is that they think, you know, I, again, I don't know how either of them vote, but. That they think these people are just idiots and are probably worth making. I imagine they make fun of them behind their back pretty frequently. I mean, certainly Kelsey is more than happy to troll Aaron Rodgers. So
2: right, right. My, my favorite is, did you see Benny Johnson? I should look at this too. I had to think about how like it's clearly a CIA op because like Kelsey's a tight end. That's like a glorified fullback, and like uh, the football knower has logged off. <laughs> like, and after a game where he made like you know. Like eight catches that are essentially physically impossible. Like I have no <laughs> idea how Like yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah Cal- Not a high impact player. Like that's like yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ, it is. Now, just, yeah. It's, and it's, if it's, and
1: if I can comment on like the the last thing here is that I don't like that Brittany Mahomes. I am incredibly annoyed oh. by her after watching oh. that quarterback show, and I think oh. she's gonna try to break them up. I think that she is the fly in the ointment. For Kelsey Tate. Oh.
0: I'll uh, be I'll be sure to throw this one off the wife and see. Uh she will be she'll be interested in uh this, I don't like that Brittany Mahomes. Level of gossip. All. I don't yeah. like her at
1: all. Mm. And
0: and even he's pretty fucking annoying. Yeah, she is annoying. I mean, I don't doubt it, but I, I don't question you. I mean, she, she does come out of that uh,
2: series looking extremely annoying, but but then so does he. Like, I mean, they're kind of a perfect couple of like annoying Texans. So it, it was a great PR move for Kirk Cousins. Like, he comes off looking great from that. Like, despite like the just, just like just to your ordinary standard issue, like nice Bible thumper to seem much more tolerable than like this. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile,
0: I have no idea why Marcus Mariota agreed to do this. Like, he clearly didn't want to be in there. He has he has the charisma of a rock. I mean, God bless him. I love him, right? <laughs> He's the greatest duck of all time. But why is he in this show? I mean, even if he hadn't had a bat, you know, even if he hadn't been benched by the Falcons in that weird walking away or whatever, I mean, he just is terrible on television. I don't, I, I never really get what that was about.
2: Maybe he oh, ate a lot. I don't know. The Falcons offense got markedly worse this year. <laughs> oh no! No, I mean like yeah, yeah. he's not—he's not he's We've established that yeah, he's,
0: he's not, not that terrible. But uh, you know, and, and and I get why from the perspective of of Peyton Manning and people making this documentary that they would want somebody at that level of, of quarterback because in some ways that should be the most interesting level. Is like how do you, you know? I mean, like Mahomes is obviously interesting because he's Mahomes, and like Cousins is at that like upper mid level, you know. And of course, they kind of lucked into the Vikings having that crazy lucky season, and then blowing it up in the playoffs, which so it's just, just, you know, kind of says a lot. But, but you know, there's a lot of guys you could, you know, having Geno Smith would have been probably a lot more interesting, actually, than Mariota. Because- just because you get the Carroll, like, pregame.
1: Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> you know, I
0: mean, you literally couldn't find a quarterback who's less yeah. of an interesting human being on TV. He may be very interesting in person, but on TV, yeah. Mariota is terrible and, and yeah. should not be anywhere near it, and I don't understand what was going on there. Yeah. And you notice, like, the last, like, four episodes of the documentary he's in there for like one minute
1: yeah yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, I, I think we've reached the end of our Super Bowl podcast, uh, and we've touched on all of the things that we would want to touch on. And uh, uh, I want to thank, uh, gentlemen, uh, both of you for for joining us. And I want to thank all of our um, uh, uh, LGM consistent listeners for for being loyal and for for listening to us. And um, look, we're all hopeful it's going to be a great game on Sunday, and uh, and uh, it'll be a memorable Super Bowl. So, thank you for joining us.
0: And in conclusion? Kobe Keith sucks.
1: Thank you again for listening to the Lawyer's Guns and Money podcast. We would like to thank Elizabeth Nelson of the Paranoid Style for supplying as our intro and outro music, I'd Bet My Lands and Titles, a track on the album for Executive Meeting. If you would like to support the Lawyer's Guns and Money podcast or any other aspect of the Lawyer's Guns and Money project, please visit us at www.patreon.com slash lawyersgunsandmoney or donate at the PayPal link on the website. Thank you.